Hello, and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast, brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. So today I'm joined by Frankie Bannon, owner of Studio 23. Frankie, you're welcome to the podcast studio. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Lovely to have you here. And um, I love your business. I'm going to give everybody a little bit of background. So Studio 23, based in Newry, was born in 2019 by Frankie with the aim to make art more accessible. Now for people of all creative abilities, so don't switch off, (laughs) Um, You just have to let go. You have to experiment. You have to have some fun. So after studying a BA Honours in textile art and fashion design, Frankie took herself off to Australia for nearly a decade. And like most people in their 20s, had gone down the more traditional working route without any art in her life. After realising something huge was missing, Frankie began her journey back to her creative roots by creating piece after piece of artwork, lots of trial and error, and then branching out into workshops with friends. Frankie even started working alongside a local Sydney school to deliver after-school art classes for the kids and had been bitten with the art bug once again. She decided that this was definitely the path for her and she packed up her life down under and headed back home to Ireland to start Studio 23. Now, Nuri's first ever paint and sip classes, yes, you heard me correctly, doesn't sound, doesn't this sound absolutely amazing? Paint and sip classes and also her acrylic pour workshops. Well, they took the city by storm and Frankie's business has just kept growing from there. It's quite a journey, Frankie, really. When you, when you listen to somebody else reading it out, do you think, oh, that's me? Yeah, I think hindsight's a great thing when you look back and you can connect all the dots and think, wow, I started off just with one small idea and then it took me in a completely different direction. So, yeah, it's quite impressive hearing it back, actually. So let's go back a little further. You were born and bred in in Newry, yes. where we're sitting uh, today, obviously, um, but you had the travel bug. Yes, I think like most people, young 20 something year olds you just want to get out and explore the world and do different things I felt like Nuri was sounds terrible but suffocating me in a way so I just really wanted to spread my wings and I was lucky enough that my mum is actually Australian so I have an Australian passport oh my goodness yes that helps it really does help yeah so she'd gone the other way then she had she came back here and met a Nuri man at 19 and got married so yeah. And she's still here. She's still here, yeah. They're and still, loves it. Yeah, still together, still here, loving life. But did she say to you, you got to go? Yes, I think from a very young age, my parents encouraged all of us. I have three other sisters to just travel, see what's out there, um, not to be afraid. Um, my dad always said, look, if you can speak English, you'll, get, you'll, you'll be fine. And he was like, if you have your education, the great thing is you don't need to pack it up. You can take it everywhere with you. So... So you got your degree, and but did you always know I'll get the degree and then I'm off? 
Uh, yes, um, me and a friend had chatted about going to Australia from I was maybe 16. We had made a pact. We were like, we're going to travel together. <laughs> we're going to do this. And as they say, God will laugh at you when you show him your plans. My friend then got into a relationship with a guy and she was like, I'm not going. So I decided, oh. you know what? I'm just going to go by myself. And you went by yourself. I went on my I own. I think that's so brave. I really do. Thank you. And I'm hearing it more and more. It's become, especially for, for a girl, you know, mm-hmm. I just think, I don't think I would have been that brave but you're much younger than me and <laughs> we probably would have been discouraged from that yeah but you how did your family feel about you going on your own oh they were fine I'm lucky enough that I have sort of family all over the world so I have an uncle in Singapore I stayed with him for a month on the way over and then I have an aunt in Sydney who picked me up from the airport so it's not like I was that totally helps. you know alone you know turning up at Sydney airport with my bags and no place to go so what did you do when you got to Sydney well, um, I had done the degree in fashion and textiles and I had it in my head that it was going to be something like Emily in Paris. I'm <laughs> going to turn up in Sydney, work in a fashion house and life's going to be amazing. Um, I think I realised after two weeks that's probably not the case. And I stayed in my aunt's house for a little while until I found my feet and I ended up working in retail. So I got into retail management for clothing brand over there and then within I I think it was about two to three years I got promoted and then I got promoted again and then I became an area manager for that company so it kind of um, solidified me staying there for a long amount of time. So the entrepreneurial spirit then was that always just in the background? Always there yeah Um, I think from a very young age I was always trying to create stuff and sell it uh, whether it be you know cards that I was making I actually um, funnily enough there's a, a cafe just around the corner from here and the owner Graham we still laugh about it today I think I was 17 and I asked him if I could sell my cards in his first cafe is that right yeah so I always wanted did he say to, yes he did oh yeah. that's all right <laughs> they didn't really sell very well but he, he still gave it a go um, and then my mum I used to run art classes when we were growing up. She would do them on a Saturday for children. And I used to love those. So I was around that when I was from no age. And when I was 17, my mum went back to study her master's. She was given up doing the art classes and all of the parents with the the regulars were saying, well, where are we going to send our kids? So at 17, I started running the Mm. art classes and I did that for a year then before I went to uni. So I think looking back, it's always been in me to to do something. So your mum was the artist? Yeah, my mum. Your dad artist? Not at all. (laughs) Not one bit. What did he do? uh, So my dad worked for Newry Council. Um, He was a player inspector, so he would go around and inspect all the equipment that was there. Um, My dad's a very hands-on person, was a landscape gardener for years. Okay, so creative as well. Creative, yeah, in in a different way, I suppose. Yeah, Yeah. and then my mum, she um, does pottery now in her spare time, so yeah. So you grew up and that was definitely, you know, it was in the genes. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. My mum's house is like a shrine to my artwork. She has it hanging all over her walls. Does she? What about your sisters? Are they? Uh, my sister has got, my sister in the States has one painting um, in her house. And actually my sister in Australia has um, taken it upon herself to take all my artwork that I left behind and it adorns her walls. So I don't mind as much. So she has a lot of it hanging up. Isn't that lovely though? It is. It's really nice. I'm very proud of you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, you know, you were doing the, the traditional working route, as we said in yes. the introduction without any art in your life? Yes, I had always done art. Anyone from school, even primary school, will always. I was always the arty kid. 
I was the kid in secondary school that had green hair and always trying to be rebellious and creative in some way. Um, then when I went to Australia and went down the retail side of it and sort of working up that corporate ladder, um, I was just involved in, you know, hanging out with friends and traveling around Australia and Asia and doing all of those sort of things but never did any art for a good seven years that I was there. And it just felt like a piece of me was missing. Is that what it was like? Yeah. You'd lost yeah. your heart, like your, your soul. soul. Yeah, your soul's just gone. It's just, you're getting up every day and you're going through the motions of work and you're making great money and you're ticking all these boxes that people on the outside want you to tick. But it just, it felt like I was just really lost. So how did you find your soul again? Well, it was one of these things I thought right I'm gonna go and buy some paints I'm gonna start creating again and I did this rubbish painting it was really really bad and I was thinking my god you've really got out of the loop here you need to get back into it and I had looked at resin workshops so it was like epoxy resin had never worked with it before and there was a workshop happening in Sydney and I thought great I'll book into that as most self-taught artists will tell you they never really pay to go to other people's workshops they tend to just figure it out on their own but I thought no I'll go to this and when I was there, the instructor said to me, are you an artist by any chance? And I, I laughed. I said, oh, maybe in a different life. And she said, no. She said, I believe in the universe. And I asked the universe to bring me an artist today. And here you are. So we had a bit of a laugh about wow. it. We went for a coffee. And then she told me that she needed someone to help facilitate at a Sydney school for some art projects. And I thought, OK, why not? I'll do it after work. It was one day a week for six weeks and at the end of that six weeks I handed in my three month notice to work after being with that company for seven years. So uh, something had reignited yeah. and you knew, I just oh, knew, I found myself again. Yeah, I was like, it, this is yeah. it. So it definitely wasn't the money you were chasing. No, 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 never has been. No. So. And when you rediscovered the fire in your belly or whatever it was mm-hmm. in your soul, the light, um, yeah, that was the start of it. That was it. Yeah, it all just sort of took off from there. And But did you think about being a businesswoman at that point? Did you see, how can I turn my passion into a business? Yes, I racked my brains for weeks. I was thinking, how can I monetize this? How can I make this into a business? And I think that was probably the hardest part. I was, like a lot of people, you have a passion for something, but how do you actually turn that into a business? And in a way, it was great to sort of try and plan that out. But as I've found looking back now, that's not what got me there. Thinking didn't get me there. It was the creating that got me there. As the more I created, the more I was able to see what I needed to do. I know that sounds really strange, but the more I was painting, doing acrylic pour, all of that, it was all starting to slot into place. And just tell us what acrylic pour is. Okay, so acrylic pour, um, it's a bit of a fad that hit... um, few years ago now there's hard I don't even think there's any studios in Northern Ireland that do it or in the south it had hit Australia in a massive way and it's similar to resin art so it's like a non-toxic version of it it's abstract you pour paint onto a canvas so it sounds you know very simplistic to do but there are a lot of sort of technical steps to creating it um so I wanted to get into that because I like doing the resin workshop that day but resin's highly toxic. It can burn your skin. You have to wear a respirator mask. Oh. You have to be in a very well-ventilated area. It can take weeks to cure. It's very expensive as well. Um, so I thought, right, there has to be another way to do this. So got onto YouTube, Google, everybody's best friend, and thought, oh, 
this is cool. Uh, just started experimenting then with acrylic pour and it sort of took off from there. So you were creating all of these pieces. Were you selling them? Um, at the time, no. I was actually running class. Well, I say classes. There were little intimate workshops with friends in Sydney. So I had sat up. I would do my normal shift at work and I was coming home, sitting up all night creating these acrylic pores, trying to get these mad patterns and designs. And just, I spent uh, an obscene <laughs> amount of money on all these different materials. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. And then I was telling my friends about it. I said, girls, come over, we can have a drink. We can do this together. So they were creating their own artwork pieces. And it was kind of from there, I was like, oh, this could be a really cool idea to start doing these as workshops. So what I liked in the introduction was that it says that you don't have to have, you know, any artistic ability really it's a, for people of all creative abilities what does that mean well I think everybody in some shape or form has a creative side to them mm. okay you can't say that people don't have any creative side I suppose it was similar to us talking about my dad there landscaping is creative of course it is cooking is creative writing is creative singing is creative so there's so many different avenues of creativeness that people have and I think the problem is you go to school when you're a very young child, you, that's when your imagination is at its highest. You, you've no inhibitions, you're very creative. Everything is told through a picture because a lot of children can't write. That's right. So they'll, they'll draw everything out and they'll explain it to you and they'll use beautiful colours or they'll use things that don't necessarily mesh well, but they look great. So children have this great ability. I think Pablo Picasso said it, um, you know, the problem with growing up is sort of that you, you lose that inner artist within yourself but um or you become very aware of am I good enough yes. and what are uh, comparing yourself to other people and that's what happens in secondary school you yeah. get in and you get graded you yeah, get told know. you know you're, you're not an, very good at this you're an A star student at art or you're not good you should maybe have a look at doing something else for your GCSEs or your A levels that's not the road you should go down so I think children then step away from it or a lot of the times boys see it as a really girly subject. Mm -hmm. So they might take it on for GTSA and then they get to A level and they're like, oh, I don't know. Or they want to go down a different path and they don't want art to take up a lot of their, their school project time. Um, so I wanted to make art really accessible for everybody. So if you haven't lifted a paintbrush since you've been in school, you can come into the studio and you will create something that you will be so impressed with. Is that right? So, so you, impressed. Uh, what, I could come into your studio. Yeah. I like the paint and sip class idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not sip too much or it could be a disaster, but I could produce something I could put on a wall? Yes, definitely. Really? A hundred percent. I have had so many people come in and they'll come up. You can tell the people that are nervous and they'll come up and they'll say, I'm really rubbish at this. And, you know, I'm just letting you know in advance that, yeah. you know, my wife dragged me here. I don't really want to be here. I'm, this is going to be terrible. By the end, they are so impressed with, with what they've created. <gasps> They're so impressed. And so what is, I mean, how do you make it so easy then? Well, depending on the painting, we will pre-sketch out whatever it is that we're creating. Not all the time, but if it's a more complex design, we'll pre-sketch it out. And the way the paint and sip runs is it's all time to music. So... I know. So I have a stage uh, within the studio where I'm standing there. I've got the microphone on, the music's going, and I've got the same painting as them, and same brushes, same paint. And I said to them, right, this is step one. Grab this brush, this paint. This Do is how this. you apply it. You've got one, two, or three songs to work through it. Oh. And the music gets turned on, and everybody's painting away. They're sipping on their wine or their beer or sometimes tea or coffee. And then the music ends, everybody's finished that step and we move on to the next one. So people 
when you break it down for them, it's so much easier. Instead of seeing a finished painting, people say, well, how am I going to finish that? How do I get a sky to look like that on a landscape? How do I paint a cloud? How do I yes. do this? We break everything down step by step. So one we'll step at a time. Now. We'll do that. Yep. And is it landscape you do? Everything. So if you were to go onto our website, you can look at our previous paintings. I was just having a little scroll <laughs> through there now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if you go onto our previous paintings, there's over a hundred different previous paintings that you can sort of choose from or have a look at. But it's everything from nature, landscapes, pets, um, people, it, it's all there. Sometimes we will do, you know, famous landmarks and that type of thing. Um, so, yeah, there's a wide range of paintings that are available, some more simple than others. So, so and, I, and I love on the website, you know, it says you can book tickets. It's, there's group. It's such <laughs> a great idea to get a group of friends together or a family together yeah. or your corporate team building, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, or just a fabulous gift to give to somebody. Yeah, it's a really good gift. We actually had. Um, so it also says on our website that if you can't find what you're looking for, you can contact us for like a bespoke package. We had a group of ladies that had booked into our acrylic pour and sip workshop this was a few months back and um, there was in total in that in that group there was maybe about 10 different people they were all painting away um, creating their acrylic pour she contacted me there last week and she said look we'd love to do this again but as a private event just three of us it's our friend's 50th birthday but we want her to create a massive painting for her home is this something that you oh, could do that's genius yeah so the painting that she had seen one similar on Etsy and I think it was over a thousand pound and the friends were like, can we book this in? I said, that's no problem. Give them price for it. They all came in. They only came, It was only two days ago and they created this. The three of them created it together. She was Aww. smiling from ear to ear. She was like, I cannot believe we just made this. She was like, that is so cool. She's like, that's going up in my house. And she was like, I'm so excited. And to excited. have made it with two of your closest friends. Yeah. As someone who's approaching 50 and has a heck of a lot of 50th birthday presents <laughs> to provide, I'm going to take down the number. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business law practice located in the heart of Newry City. We provide legal advice and representation to individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries on an assortment of legal matters which can affect a business such as corporate, commercial, employment, dispute resolution, regulatory and compliance. We focus on providing legally sound, commercial and practical advice to our clients. To get in touch, contact 02830262200 or visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk to find out more about the firm and our services. Just lovely, just to know that, yeah, we did that, but to work on it, the, the togetherness, the team building, yeah. is it popular for corporates? Yes, um, corporate events, we have done so many of them all over the country, north and south. So sometimes they'll come into our studio. We actually had Collins Aerospace had come in last year and they created, which was again, um, upon their request, they said, is there any way we can do a painting, one big painting and everybody can join in? And I thought, well, we can, but if we've one big massive canvas, people are going to be reaching across the table trying to paint into the centre. It's it's not really good. Logistically, it's not going to work. 
So we did it like a jigsaw puzzle. So everybody had a canvas and they were painting a certain part of a picture. And when it was all put together, it made a scene in Kilkeel where their office is based. So that's now up in their their office as you come in. And it has, I think it was about 24 separate canvases that create one big massive piece. Oh my goodness. And what do people think then at the end? They thought it was amazing because when you're sitting down looking at that, each person had an image in front of them. It might've been, you know, a section that had a bit of rocks and grass and it might've had like a section of water or a house. Big jigsaw puzzle. Big jigsaw. So I think at the time people were kind of... What's it going to be? Yeah. What's it going to be? So they were all sort of looking at it thinking, "Mm, it's a bit odd. And then at the end we slotted them all in together and they were like, wow. Wow, this actually is one big painting. I'm getting so excited here. I'm whacking the microphone with my <laughs> So, you know, I don't want to talk money, but is it an expensive thing to book? No. So um, we made sure, I remember when I was trying to figure out the pricing, everybody saying, oh, charge more for corporate or that sort of yeah, thing. And yeah. I thought, no, do you know what? It's going to be one price for everybody. So um, it's £35 per person for paint and sip. That's regardless if you're coming in for a birthday, a hen party, a corporate event. It's the same price across mm-hmm. the board because I think the value is the same for every person that comes in. So there shouldn't be an extra charge just because there's a corporate event. Now, we do offer concession rates for charities mm-hmm. and, and different organisations like that because I want to be able to give back in some way to the community. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, we don't charge more for um other groups so 35 pounds i think is pretty good for two hours in the studio and it's all your art materials supplied so and whenever you listen to people because at the end of the day you've still got to be a business woman mm-hmm. you still have to keep a roof over the head yeah. and pay the bills and all mm-hmm. of those and we know that everything's costing more but you know as you said to me earlier it's not about the money for you it never has been mm-hmm. do other people say to you oh no you know you're pri- are they happy with or do you have a mentor that would sort of advise on money no, well, no, but I remember when I very first started the business and I was running sort of like pop-up locations, I didn't have a permanent studio because we've only actually been at the studio in Yuri for a year and a half, but the business has been going for four years. So we were popping up everywhere and at the time I was like 23 pounds because it's Studio 23 and it'll sort of all tie in. I wasn't really at that point thinking about overheads or margins or any of that kind of thing. Um, and I went over to the Wynn Industrial Estate in Newry to talk to Stephen McLennan and he was talking about social enterprise and he was trying to convince me that social enterprise would be the best route for my type of business and it was great because he was putting me in touch with people that had set up social enterprises even though that's not what my business is um, but he put me in touch with their accountant there and he sat down he did a spreadsheet with me and he said let's forecast it over the next two years let's have a look at it let's pretend that you have a studio and you're going to have to pay x amount for your rent and your rates and all of these things that I hadn't really thought of at the time so after doing that and I sat down I thought okay right 23 is definitely not going to cut the mustard and then the prices obviously after Brexit everything went through the roof so 35 pounds seems to be the sweet spot I've never had anyone say that it's too expensive um and we've reoccurring customers that come every month to every workshop I have a group of ladies that have probably only missed three classes in the last four years maybe you've reignited something in their souls oh definitely one girl actually turned her loft into her art studio so she's painting now in between my classes she just goes home and paints and had she been arty before no this has just come this came out of the blue and she she loves it and she brings in photographs of her artwork and shows me and I, i feel so proud when i see it so so why studio 23 well um it's funny we actually had 
children <laughs> in the group last week and they were saying, Miss, are you 23? Is this why it's Studio 23? I was saying, I wish I was 23 again. Uh, no, a friend, a very special friend of mine, his birthday was the 23rd of August. And then after he passed away many years ago, I used to see 23 everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then 23 sort of became synonymous with me. So my friends would say to me, every time I see 23, I think of you. And Yes, it's probably there subconsciously that I'm I'm looking for it, but there'll be things I'll book into a hotel and my room number will be 23. I'll get onto a flight, my seat number will be 23. I get sat in a restaurant and my table number will be 23. Gosh. So it just appears everywhere. So Why do you think that is? Um, I think, maybe not to sound corny, but I think a lot of people have these like angel numbers like 111 or 222. When I see 23, I feel like it's something guiding me in the right direction. So when I was trying to think of a name for the studio, my sister in the States actually said to me, it needs to be Studio 23, obviously. She was like, 23 is your number. So, and yeah. do you feel connected to that special friend? Yes, yeah, definitely. So I think as well it's a way to sort of keep him, his memory alive in a way. So, yeah. yeah. Emotional journey that you've definitely. been on. It's a beautiful story as well. And I'm glad I asked that question. And um, why did you come home? Well, funny story. I didn't actually plan on coming home. Um, after I handed in my three months notice to my job, I thought, right, I'm going to register the business in Sydney. I'm going to start running these acrylic pour workshops. And I did register the business. And then I thought, you know what? I haven't had a Christmas at home in, it was coming up for nine years at that point. You'd been away for nine years? Well, eight and a half, yeah. So by the time uh, Christmas was sort of rolling around, it was coming up close to nine years. And I thought, you know what? I'll go home for Christmas. I've never had a Christmas at home since I've left. I'll, I'll go back. I said to all my friends, I'll see you in a month. And um, packed a very small suitcase with winter clothes in it. And then when I got home, I think because all of my sisters lived away at the time, my parents were kind of like, oh, why don't you stay for a while? Give it a few months. Um, my dad was saying to me, you know, no better place than Yuri. You know everybody here. There'll be people here that'll help you set your business up. And I thought, mm, okay, yeah. And he said, tell you what, give it a year. If it doesn't work out, you can always go back. Sydney's not going anywhere. And I thought, he's right. Why not? I'll give it a go. Never in a million years did I think Nuri was going to be the place. So when you came off. back, did you feel different to when you'd been very keen to leave? Uh, yes. I mean, the great thing about when you come home is it feels like you've never left in a way. I mean, it's a comforting thing. You know all the streets, you know all the people. You know, you're walking down the street and people are saying hello to you. So there's that really comforting feeling of, ah, oh, I'm home. Um, but I didn't have that need to leave I didn't feel like oh god I don't want to be stuck here whereas before I felt very um yeah very stuck and trapped yeah Mm -hmm. that I was like oh god I don't want to end up in Uri for the rest of my life Mm and um I think then in a big big city like Sydney can you feel the opposite you can feel very alone in a big city um as well I mean I had a great friendship group over there and a great support network and then my younger sister one of my younger sisters moved to Australia when I was there about four and a half years and you hadn't planned to be there for long had you no I said I'll go for a year and uh yeah then came back eight and a half years later so I seem to have this problem for saying I'll be back I'll be doing this yeah don't set the deadline I know so um yeah no I think Sydney was wonderful and again I've gotten now as you said like never say never who knows I could end up back in Sydney and 10 years from now who knows do you still feel that call for Sydney no I don't but I think I'm never gonna say to people this is me I'm definitely gonna you know step because you don't know what's Mm -hmm. you know in the horizon um 
as I said, my sister lives in the States. Who knows? It could end up in the States. You know, you could end up anywhere. And I think with the business as well, you could end up anywhere. Yes. And this is a business that could definitely travel. You could see Mm -hmm. this being something that you could franchise even. Yes, definitely. Mm. So that is something I've looked at. How Um, do you you protect the ideas and things? Well, I think... There's, what did they say? There's no such thing as an original idea. Mm -hmm. So you can't protect everything. And I know when I started Studio 23, I was about a year into it. And a few of them actually started to pop up in Newry. And there was some of them saying, you know, Newry's first ever paint and sip. And I was already doing it a year at the stage. And I thought, oh, gosh. But you can't stop people from doing that. But those businesses slowly faded away. They started for a month, two months, three months. And then they sort of collapsed. And I don't know why that is. But I know from my point of view I'm so passionate about it I'm not driven by the money aspect of it I am so I can't stop people from you know doing what I do all I can do is be the best at what I do and make sure that the people that come in feel really valued and that they're getting value out of the class so I think when you go to potentially franchise it it's about getting the right people in that feel that way about your brand that you do. If is I this go something down, that you want to look at? Um, I'm, I'm going to look at it. I don't know if it's necessarily something that I will do. Um, it's definitely an, an avenue that's attractive because it's great. It means that you can get your brand out there in multiple locations and you know, and you, the needs there, you're seeing yeah. people coming. You've opened oh, the doors and they're coming. It. Before you had the pop-up studios, did you travel an awful lot more? If, yeah. yeah. So Has that thing cut back? Do people come to you now or do you still travel? No, still do both. So um, <laughs> yeah, th- every week's different. I mean, we'll be in Belfast. We were in Lurgan last week. We go down to Dublin. I'm going to be in Enniskillen next month. We, we sort of pop up everywhere so sometimes we'll travel for hen parties people have an airbnb and we come down we set up at the airbnb brilliant we've gone and done say like in the galgorm like we set up in hotels and um for corporate events sometimes we go to their offices if they have the space there so there's definitely that need i think the really nice thing was i have had people that have traveled from belfast or dublin to my studio and they're like, yeah, we booked a hotel up here because we centred everything around your class. Oh my! So I had a hen party that came up uh, from Dublin and she says, oh yeah, we booked everything around this workshop. So they were staying in the canal court, they were heading over to the bars, they'd booked their, their meal and it was all centred around my class. And I was like, that's really cool. So Can you believe this? I know. Do you pinch yourself? Yeah, all the time. I just think it's amazing. So I'm, I'm really proud of it. And so you should be. It's, it's incredible. So what are the classes that people could come to at the minute? Okay, so we have a multitude of classes, everything from children as young as four. And I think the the oldest uh, participant has been close to 90 that we've had. Um, but currently we have got our kids' summer camps coming up in July and August. We have teenage camps as well. So they run from like a Monday to a Friday over the summer um, where oh, children will summer learn. Summer will be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of parents going, tick. Yep, tick, tick. <laughs> so, um, no, it's great. I mean, last year we ran those workshops and we took the teenagers down to um, a gallery showing in Banbridge. We took them to an art gallery for, t- for the day and we walked them around and spoke about the different artists that was on display. So we get them to do a lot of different interactive things. It's not just sort of people think oh in art class they're stuck in a room with like markers and pencils and we do pottery with them and salt dough and crafting and sort of everything that you could possibly think of so that's the the kids classes that are available to book at the minute and then we do our monthly paint and sip so last Friday of every month if you're over the age of 18 you can book a ticket on our website come along and you paint between seven and nine it's uh, BYOB so bring your own drink 
or, or not you don't have to drink yeah. we supply all the glasses so your beer champagne and wine glasses bottle openers with a fridge there to keep your drinks cool people bring snacks in um so you can book that as i said that's the last friday of every month and then um every two or three months as well we end up doing the acrylic pour classes that you can book in and a very popular class is paint your pet Oh. Yeah, so now the price point for it's £40, but that's because every canvas is different. So every person's painting their own individual cat, dog, sometimes snakes, whatever Mm -hmm. whatever pet that they have. We pre-draw your pet onto canvas for you, and then we colour match all of the tones of your animal into the paint. So every palette is bespoke for the client. We love our pets in Northern Ireland. We do. And how how popular is that? Oh, it has booked out every single time that we've done it. So we're actually running it next month in the studio and we're also running it in Hollywood, just outside Belfast at a cafe there. So now you're saying we. Who's the we? We. Well I always say we, but it is me and Royal We. A little bit. No, me and a team of girls. So I have three girls that work for me. Uh, one is actually my sister. She does a lot of the marketing for the business. Oh. Um, always got to rope the family in Absolutely. somewhere, you know. Uh, but I have two girls that work for me and they help to set up events and um, help with the kids' classes. You can't run a kids' camp with uh, 30 children of on course. your own. Um, so, yeah, generally when I say we, I'm talking about us sort of as the the collective uh, group of girls that, that run the classes. And I'm sure the buzz is good, the vibe is good. Do you find it extremely rewarding? Yes, I leave at the end of a class and it's like after you've done a workout and you've got all the endorphins going and you're buzzing and you're smiling. It's because people come in, so people book private events. So apart from those classes, our week is totally booked up with people booking in for hen parties and birthdays and corporate events and kids' birthdays or family like groups of family members coming in all for private events. You're getting to be a part of their milestones and you're getting to celebrate with them and people are generally, you know, in the best mood possible or they're having a, a baby shower, that type of thing. So it's lovely that you get to be involved in all of that. In the high points of people's lives. Yeah, and the fun points. And the because fun I think parts. over COVID we lost a lot of the fun, didn't we? Yeah, really did. And I felt for a lot of people a lot of people were very isolated during COVID. And again, we tried to bring art to all of those people even during lockdown as well so if there are any people that are still skeptical though i doubt it because <laughs> you are a, a wonderful salesperson for what it is that you do and um, what does art actually do if you think well no that's just so not me what would it do for somebody well it's very therapeutic in its practice um obviously art has been used for a long period of time through art therapy with people that have suffered, you know, PTSD, that sort of thing. Now, I'm not a trained art therapist at all. However, using art is has a similar effect on your brain waves as meditation. So it really calms down the body. You're hyper-focused on one thing, so it's painting, drawing, crafting, whatever it is that you're doing. Your brain can't focus on anything else outside of that. So it really, really calms down your nervous system. It works great for corporate events. So whether you're working, obviously, on an individual piece 
where you're collaborating on a larger pace together, it helps with like problem solving skills. Um, you know, what, what brush am I using here? How am I going to create that? How do I mix that paint? And I know that sounds like a very basic thing, but it really does help with that part of your brain. Um, it's great for young children that are really in those developmental stages where they're experimenting. Um, as I said before, children use imagery to tell a story. So a lot of the time children will come in and we do a lot of, we do like free drawing time the first five minutes that they come in whilst they're sort of settling down. We're trying to get everybody in their seats and they'll be drawing stuff that they've done that week or I've been at my grandparents' house where I was playing football and they'll start to sketch all of that out. So it's really good for them to get those feelings, emotions and stories out onto paper as Memories, well. Memories, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really, really lovely. Um, it's What's next, do you think, then for Studio 23? It doesn't sound like you've much more time <laughs> to do anything. I have big plans for Studio 23. Um, some of them I'm going to keep close to my uh-huh. chest because I think Good once, idea. once you've put it out there, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's hard to get it back. But um, the plan, if I don't go down the franchise uh, road, is looking, it's going to be, shall I say, a more collaborative space. And now that doesn't mean I'm not going to be renting out spaces for other artists. There's already lots of places across Northern Ireland, South of Ireland that do wonderful mm-hmm. collaborative art spaces. Um, but it's going to offer more than just art. It's going to offer quite a lot. So um, there's that side of it. And I think me as an artist myself, um, I sell a lot of my professional work separate to Studio 23. It's through like the Frankie B label. So you can go on to frankieb.co.uk. I was just going to say, I will do. (laughs) Um, So like I've sold my artwork globally. I've sold it in the States. I've sold it in Singapore, Australia, like everywhere. Um, I've done large like muraled artworks and installations actually um, for like local businesses here and in the south. I've just done a collaboration with Two Stacks Whiskey for their limited edition whiskey bottles. So um, I think for me personally, there's going to be a lot of focus on that as well, just to get my own label up and running. Because if it gets to a point where I either do franchise or work on this other idea that I have, I'm going to need to be able to step back from the business to allow other people to run classes. And then it allows me the freedom to travel and do my art and do all these other things. So I think all of that art time or that meditation Mm -hmm. has meant that you are so measured and level headed. And I'm sure whatever you put your mind to. Um, the universe will provide and allow that to happen because you you just give off those types of vibes. So you've also featured on TV. Yes, that's right. Channel 5 for Susan Kalman's Grand Day Out. Oh, I love that programme. Is she great? Is she as good fun as she looks? Yeah, she was really funny. She was really nice. So, um, so yeah. that's the Scottish TV presenter, that uh, the comedian. The comedian. That, that travels mm-hmm. around. And So and what did you have to do? Yeah, so uh, Channel 5 contacted us to come up and record one of our workshops, which was Drag and Draw. So we decided on a new workshop last year. Um, Now, we've only done a a few of them, but we had run it in a local bar in Newry because it was sold out and we couldn't actually fit them all in the studio. Uh, Channel 5, seen this on Eventbrite, got in contact. Basically, we had Blue Hydrangea. For anyone who doesn't know who that is, Blue um, was the winner of Rue Paul's Drag Race and is a mega, mega star. So uh, Rue, or sorry, Blue was um, the the drag artist on the day. And then we had myself, um, a few other participants and Susan were recreating (laughs) Blue on canvas. So it was amazing. So we were all painting um, 
blue step by step yeah and susan was interviewing me as we were doing it, it was completely really good fun. bizarre but good fun really good fun so yeah it's uh, another little ticked box Absolutely. to say we were on tv which was nice i'm sure that won't be the last either fingers crossed what's been the biggest challenge Biggest challenge, I think, was when I first started the business, there was no other business model like mine here. So I think when you go to start a cafe or something like that, it's very easy to walk into any cafe off the street, sit down, you know, rate it as a customer and say, oh, I would do this different or, oh, God, I wouldn't do that. Or what have they got on their menu? What's their price point? There wasn't even a price point for me to follow to say, how do I market this? How do I you know, attract customers in. There was nobody else doing what I was doing. Well, if they were, they weren't advertising it because no. they couldn't find anything. So I was really struggling with that part of the business. And I had a lot of people say to me and Yuri, mm, art, really? Mm. Do you think you're going to get people coming in that want to Is paint? that an old-fashioned view of kind of people even wanting to take a, a career in art or go to art college? Think, oh, you might not, you'll not get a job. Definitely. I was given that career advice, very bad career advice in school. I was told... I was, art was my thing. I was an ASR student in art. Um, I won all these like different awards and different programs and knew that art was like my thing. And then went to careers advisor and they were like, don't do art. You'll never make any money off it. Well, look at her now. <laughs> so uh, I was told to go down the fashion route, even though I love fashion, but it wasn't, it wasn't a passion for me. So um, I think, yeah, trying to think, right, how am I actually going to, create a business there's no business model out there that I can use as a template that was probably the biggest challenge but do you know what I started small and I stayed consistent with it I think a lot of people want a business and they want it overnight and they want it to be the biggest best version uh, possible so they put all this money in and they get massive premises and they're like the more money I spend the, the more people will come in and that's not the truth so I started small I was doing small intimate workshops I was doing workshops at home I was doing pop-up locations and I did that steadily for the first two years I was also working full-time in Dublin wow. so it was seven days a week I was working five days in Dublin two days off doing classes or advertising them and I did that non-stop for two years and I thought this is the way that I'm going to slowly build it up instead of just exploding onto the scene saying we do all this yeah. and then it just sort of crashes and burns have you other dreams do you do anything in your spare time well I spend a lot of the time in the gym um I find that's a really good way for me to sort of decompress I try to get there five days a week but do realistically you? it's probably three what or do you four do? Strength um, training. yeah strength training so my sister in Australia she is a PT and she has an online coaching platform so she tells me off if if I don't go so it's a great motivator well, you look amazing oh, thank you very much <laughs> you so do. do you um so yeah I do a lot in the gym and I think I really value like relationships friendships and family I think when you live so far away you really value them and a lot of my friends have now had children of their own so I just love spending time with my friends and and their children and even traveling more around Ireland and when I left at 23, there was... I know, it's beautiful, isn't see, it? See, there you go, 23 again. See, it pops up, I'm telling you. Um, so, yeah, right. when, when I left at 23, I had really never travelled much of Ireland at all. I'd never, you know, done Cork or anything like that. So trying to do a bit of travel and, and even more around Europe. As we well. live in a beautiful part of the world, but we it do. takes you to go away, I think, to realise that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. And you bring so much more from your travels back. 
definitely yeah it makes you um, a more cultured person should they say yeah. you've seen more of the world and do you know a lot of great businesses even in Uri itself or Northern Ireland have all been started by people that have travelled yeah. have gone away mm-hmm. they've seen those types of businesses and then they've brought them home absolutely and you know entrepreneurship is thriving and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, d- yeah it's the place to be really right now so Frankie, we've run out of time. It is so fabulous to talk to you and so exciting to hear about Studio 23 and all the very best for whatever's next. Thank you. Um, I have to ask you this last question. Mm -hmm. I ask everybody, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their businesses by offering an insight into the success of businesses such as your own. What advice would you give people who have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Okay, I would say the risk is always worth taking because if it doesn't work out, that's the worst case scenario. You can go back to what you were doing before. So you got to try it first off. And I think not to listen to people that tell you that you can't do it. If you have a gut feeling that it's going to work out, just go for it. Um, if you have an idea and you don't know what to do, go and see what business advice is out there. There's a lot of free business advice. A lot of people, if they're doing something similar to you, will offer you help and um, they'll try and mentor you along the way. Yeah, it's finding the right support. The people have really got your back. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you say, what have you got to lose? Give it it a go. Thank you so much, Frankie, for joining me today. Uh, And yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. I'll be back with the next edition of the Public Eye podcast when I'll be talking to Dermot Friel from Friel's Bar and Restaurant. See you then. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.